so it's April 2015 and I'm in the doctor's surgery in DIT. I have no energy, my hands are swollen and I honestly feel like I'm dying. I'm only 22 but I feel like I'm 82. I go into the doctor and she asks, Laura, could you be pregnant? My stomach is flat. I haven't missed my period, so no, I'm not. She lies me down and starts feeling my stomach, and then she freezes. She has this look of, like, complete horror on her face. It's like she just discovered a tumour or something. My mind starts to race, and I think about California, of all places. This time a year ago, I was getting ready to go to L.A., and now I'm wondering if all this is related to something that happened when I was there. So let's go back to the start. My name is Laura Malloy, and a year before I found myself lying on the doctor's couch, me and my boyfriend Luke were planning to go to California on the J1 visa. I'm from Fairhouse in Dublin. That's where I am now, looking through photos of when I first met Luke. A friend who I'd just met in college was one of his good friends and she begged me to go to this house party. I decided I'd go. I didn't know anything about Castlenock and when we arrived at the party, we were laughing so much we fall through the set of doors. It's kind of a normal enough night, I suppose. And then these two idiot girls just burst outside, literally broke through the door laughing. That's Luke. And, of course, I was one of those idiot girls. You were one of the idiots, yeah. But then he offered to help me up. Just started talking to her, had a, had a lot of fun. Uh, took a while for us to, to start going out. It took Luke six months to ask me out properly. But then again, we live in different parts of the city and are from totally different backgrounds. We were in the same year and more or less the same age. And yes, our age, it's one difference that Luke never fails to mention. You act as if I'm so much older than you. Well, I'm you, six months older yeah, than well, you. Yeah, well, it seems like, you know, you're older than me. Why? Because I'm so old and wrinkled? <laughs> <laughs> Listening back to myself and Luke now reminds me of just how much life has changed since we first met. You always say that. <laughs> I am, I'm but I think I say it because it annoys you. You see, look, you're getting thick now. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. So anyway, we're finishing up in college and getting ready for the J1. I'm doing film broadcasting and Irish and DIT, and Luke is doing business and economics in Trinity. And the idea of four months in California is just so, so exciting. Just one thing is, me and Luke don't end up going to the same place. I decided to go to San Francisco with one friend. And I was going down with the boys. <laughs> no, just with a few friends and to LA. When we get to San Francisco, it feels more like Carlo. There's GAD jerseys everywhere, no work, and every week they have a GAD jersey themed night. And I thought, I did not come all this way and save all year for this. And then on Snapchat, I can see that Luke is having the summer that I imagined. We were living in a, in a frat house in, beside UCLA campus. It was about 
about 20 other Irish lads living in the frat. So it was crazy. And eventually I convinced Laura to move down to us. I remember leaving San Francisco, getting a bus over the Bay Bridge and wondering what was ahead of me. There was this feeling of freedom and it was amazing. And when we get to LA, there's this massive welcome party and I know we've made the right choice. Uh, non-stop party. It was, it, was, <laughs> it was the best summer I've ever had. You'd be woken up because like the sun would come in, blare and like, probably like eight o'clock in the morning and you'd try and sleep for like another like two hours or something like that. Because you'd been out the night before. There was kind of like a song that would come on. That was kind of like the signal that we could actually start drinking again. You know, I don't really know who put on the song, but. I don't know who put it on either. But the song was called Finder by Nine Toes and it became the soundtrack of the best summer. It was unbelievable. We were obviously very broke and we were living off microwavable burritos. I don't even know what was in them, but they were the best day of the holiday. I remember it was they were three for a dollar and then they moved them to four for a dollar. So that was like, that was like, yes, all right, we can eat for the next couple of weeks, I suppose. And that was all we had to worry about the fluctuating price of frozen burritos and whether anyone else was sleeping in our beds. Since that doctor examined my stomach, the possibilities of carefree summers are pretty much out of the question for me now. But I'm telling you, at the time, the thought of going home and not hearing that song every day felt unbearable. And all of a sudden, we're back in Dublin. Well, when we came back home, it was more dealing with the come down of, of such crazy summer and back to reality of college and living at home after having so much freedom. After a few months, Luke drops out of college. It's coming up to Christmas and I'm starting to feel that something isn't right with me. I feel really run down. I put it down to too much work and study, but I feel lifeless. I keep a close eye on my diet and I can't figure out why my legs and arms feel like they've just been pumped up with air. In college, instead of studying, I'm googling my symptoms. I feel heavy, but I don't have the balls to stand on the scales, so I ask Luke if I've put on weight. Maybe I thought you put on a little bit of weight, but I thought it was just a bit of Christmas, Christmas turkey weight. It just looked like a, maybe a little bit of normal weight gain. It was kind of evenly spread. In March 2015, I start thinking, I'm pregnant. There's no way I'm not. But I'm still having my period and I haven't had any morning sickness. I buy a cheap pregnancy test in the two euro shop on Georgia Street and walk up to my college on Angel Street. It's my first time. I take it in a toilet cubicle, but I pee on it with the cap closed. You're supposed to remove it so it didn't work. I buy a second one, I take the cap off this time, down a load of water, and I wait for it to turn positive or negative. It's the longest 30 seconds of your life ever, waiting to see if one line or two lines will come up 
or if it's going to say pregnant or not pregnant. But it's negative, and I ring Luke. Yeah, I just remember being hugely relieved and then not really thinking about it that much. After that, like, it just was instantly out of my mind. I know Luke. We were going out for two years by then, but I didn't share his relief. I still feel terrible. And if I wasn't pregnant, then what could possibly be wrong with me? By April 2015, nothing has changed, and I tell Luke I need to see a doctor. So here I am, in the doctor's surgery, and the first thing she asks is, could you be pregnant? I tell her no. I take out my pill reminder app and show her, look, it's been 13 days since my last period. And I was asked to do another test, and again, in big bold writing, negative. So I kind of parade out her with it and say, look, I told you so, it's negative. She starts asking me about my lifestyle, about my diet, what it's like. I tell her I've really gone off runny eggs and that I can't even bear to look at them. I'm thinking she must really like eggs because she looks horrified, lies me down on the bed and starts feeling my stomach. And after more prodding and squeezing, she says... I think you need to go to the hospital. My initial thought is, shit, she's after finding a tumour. I've terminal cancer. I actually am dying. Then she says, I think you're pregnant. I'm like, you've just seen the negative pregnancy test. I've been having my period this whole time. This isn't physically possible. She says, the only reason I can think of is that you were already past 28 weeks and the hormone that gives you a positive pregnancy test has already left your system. What? 28 weeks? What? I do the maths, but that's more than seven months pregnant. I have no symptoms, no bump, no morning sickness, and no feeling of any movement. I get the lift downstairs and I'm staring at my reflection in the mirror, thinking, what the hell is happening? What am I even going to say when I get to the coom? This has to be a mix-up. She clearly isn't a very good doctor. And then I go outside and jump in a taxi. My reality is so warped at this stage, and the taxi driver is trying to make small talk. I'm just zoning out, but it feels like another punch in the face when he says, How far gone are you, love? Is this your first? I get to the coom and I don't know where to go. I've never even been in here before. I go up to the security kiosk and I can't even bring myself to say, Pregnant. My brain won't let me process it, so he just points me to the admissions. All I can hear is women screaming in pain, and taking deep breaths. I'm just sitting here thinking, how am I going to tell my parents? And then I start thinking, what are my friends going to say? I think of a story my friend Rachel told me about a girl who had a baby at the end of a pub crawl. She literally came home from 12 pubs, went to the bathroom and gave birth. Now, I'm that girl, and everyone will be like, Laura. Oh my God. What's going on? What have you done? Like, how is that even possible? How did you not know? 
I actually cannot imagine a more traumatising experience. Clearly you knew. They'll think I'm lying or just stupid. And now the doctors suddenly decide I'm no longer fit to walk. So they bring me to this room in a wheelchair. The nurse asks me more questions. Do I smoke? Have I been drinking? She says, this happens more than you think. And I'm like, what do you mean this? What is this? I'm wrapped up in all these bandages and wires going into monitors, lights flashing, things beeping. I tell her that the doctor has obviously made some kind of mistake. And then she takes out this wand thing and puts it to my stomach. And all I can hear is thump, thump, thump. I'm thinking, well, at least I'm not dead yet. And then she says, that's not your heartbeat. It's the baby's. I was like, shit, I can't believe I'm pregnant. Then they tell me how pregnant I actually am. 37 weeks. 37 weeks pregnant. Passed by first trimester, my second trimester, and now in the final stages of my third trimester. Like, stop. How, how did this even happen? I'm in complete shock. I just can't believe that this is actually happening. At some point, I can't even hear what the doctors are saying. I'm starting to feel faint. When I tune back in, I hear I'm going to have a baby in less than three weeks' time, and I'm just about to find out the sex of my child. I can't even believe I'm saying those words. My child. I'm like, oh, okay. The doctor said my bump was measuring at 17 weeks, but the baby's femur length was measuring at 37 weeks. I can't make sense of it either, but I can see they're concerned. There's a problem with the baby's heartbeat and they tell me I'm going to need a 3D scan. I'm trying to retrace my steps, everything I've done that I shouldn't have, anything I've eaten that I shouldn't have, anything that I drank that I shouldn't have, and now I'm racked with guilt. I didn't have the guts to phone my mom. I just can't handle the disappointment in her voice. So I texted her instead and asked for a lift. Well, I was actually just after being down visiting my mother and I was coming up the Ballycullen Road and I was thinking it was unusual not to have heard from Laura, but I thought, ah, sure, the battery is gone or she was out with Luke or something. So she phoned, eventually contacted me about quarter to five and said she was in the coombe. After I sent that message, I turned off my phone because I couldn't handle my mum's reply or in case she tried to ring me. So I thought, oh, maybe she has a fibroid or something. And then I turned on the phone again and said, the baby might be in distress and my blood pressure is up. But I thought, baby? What does that mean? And then she wrote back, are you pregnant? And I said, yes. I was so shocked I could feel myself shaking all over with the fright. So I drove home, don't know how I drove home, but I got home. The doctors come back and say that I've got a rare blood type and that they would have classed me as high risk at three months, never mind eight months. And now, on top of all this, I have to ring Luke and tell him that he's going to be a dad. You called me and I was on, on my break in work in Elvery's and you, you pretty much told me straight away that you were pregnant. I was just like, oh, 
like, uh, can you can you check again? And then you're like, Luke, I'm definitely pregnant. I'm 100% pregnant. And I just remember the phone just sliding out of my hand and I felt myself nearly collapsing and the world was spinning. I then asked, how far along were you? How much time did we have? And I was like, uh, three weeks. I, I couldn't get over the shock of it. And then knowing I would have to go home and try to explain to my parents was was something that I was not looking forward to at all. And then I was like, okay, I have to go now and meet my parents. Because in the time I've been talking to Luke, my mum had told my dad. And I just showed him the text because I was absolutely speechless. Couldn't talk. I just showed him the thing. I said, what sort of fucking did you in this day and age to have this happening to her? We just thought the worst of everything, everything was negative. Shock. Anger. Total anger. So the world is ending at home and I'm standing outside the coom, smiling like a maniac, thinking about what's going to happen when they arrive. I don't feel scared or that I'm going to burst into tears. All I'm thinking is, Laura, you're an idiot. How did this happen? Then the car pulls up across the road and my mom jumps out. She runs through all these cars and throws her arms around me. I said, is everything okay? And I said, come on, get in the car. It must have been the trauma and the emotion of it all that we still argue to this day about what exactly happened next. So when you got in the car, Dad said to you, no matter what has happened... No, you have to say, I told Mum... And she said, 37 weeks. I asked you in the car. You didn't. I did. I turned around to you and I said, how far along are you, Laura? You must have asked me a second time then. Better turn it all off because I'm telling you. No, you you have the story wrong. Like, it was was me. We got down and we just started stared at each other for a while and said, now what's going to happen? Because... My dad didn't say anything for a minute. And then he says... Why didn't you tell us that... I beforehand and you said, I didn't know. And I I said, you must have known to myself. I didn't say it to you. I said, well, okay. But 37 you, weeks. You didn't think I looked 37 weeks pregnant. No, well, I didn't. Because you were a bit heavy anyway, so I didn't think you were that far gone. But I said, now what's the story? Is that the end of college? Is it the end of your life as such? It'll be three years taken up before you can do anything again. Is the baby Okay. She had no prenatal, she had nothing. No classes, nothing. Just total worry. Shock and pity and anger and all combined. We all drove off in shock and I could see my mum sneakily texting one of my sisters, Kate. When I found out I was outside a spar, I was actually on my way into um, my friend's engagement party in town and I just stopped off to get money, I think, in an ATM. And Claire rang me and she was like, Laura's pregnant. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, but like, she's eight and a half months pregnant. Like she's due in two weeks. And I was like, oh my God, what's going on? And she's, she's in the coom with mom and dad. So I just imagined this warfare going on at home with her parents. It's like, I have to go over there. Um, so I just cancelled my plans 
for the evening, we just went straight over to the house. I think it was back my dad had just been full meltdown. We get home and my dad starts to work on a solution. I had a glass of whiskey first when I came home to settle the nerves and... Uh, then he takes out his little Nokia 3310 and says something about having to make an important call. I rang my sister to say, um, you aren't going to believe what happened. She says, what? I said, well, you're going to be a grand-aunt. And she said, what? Who is it? Kate? No. Claire? No. Laura? Yes. Oh, when is it you? couple of weeks' time. What? He seems to be dealing with it okay. But according to Kate, my mum was a different story. I went into Michael and I said, get me a brandy. And he said, you don't drink brandy. Well, I said, well, get me the next nearest thing. But mum was just in absolute shock. I'm just kind of laughing at nothing. I think Laura made her tea and sat her down, tried to focus her. But, um, yeah, there was a really, really kind of shocked atmosphere. I thought, oh. Oh, she's going to miss out now on so much in her life anyway. And I just remember you walking around folding socks the whole night. You were folding and unfolding <laughs> socks and walking into rooms and just staring off into space. And oh, you'd walk out again. And we were all like, what the hell? Well, so then, much well, is going through was, your mind. Like you're wondering about... And then everyone is... I was more thinking, not of the baby. I was thinking of Laura and her future. She was only 22. And then we thought about it and we said, well, somehow we'll get her through college and get her there and get her qualified. My mum was talking about college, the future, and what I wasn't going to be able to do. And my sister Claire, she's also a nurse, says, sit down, show me your stomach. I pull up my top but all that's revealed is a big fat belly roll and no bump. It's a few hours now since I've spoken to Luke and Kate says she's going to call Intram on the way home because his parents were away, so she thought she'd better check in. We knew that Luke was alone that evening, so we went over to see how he was doing. And we brought him out for, I think, a milkshake. We brought him down to McDonald's just to get out of his house. Um, he was in... Total shock as well. But I was, I was like, you had to have known though, like you knew. He was like, I didn't know anything. Like I didn't, I don't know what's going on. And he was really just in a serious state of shock. Honestly, the main thing that came to my mind straight away was just telling people, how am I supposed to even, when I can't even fathom it myself and to just try pass this information on to people, um, I didn't know how we were going to go about that at the start. Just, it was so little time to, to prepare for anything and having to tell everyone. It was so, everyone would think you were stupid or, I don't know, hiding it or something. I'd, ne I'd never heard of uh, cases like this. I really didn't have a clue how to tell people or how to feel even. But with three weeks to the due date, I'm nervous. The doctor sent me to a clinic in Black Rock for a 3D scan. They said if my blood type and the baby's blood type were different, it was going to be a problem. Luke came with me, and I remember thinking, how had the baby come all this way on its own? When they show us a 3D image, it's like the baby is holding up an angry fist. I can't describe what it felt like to see that first picture, that this grainy, rubbery image was a baby. And not just any baby, 
my baby. Just weeks from being born and Luke's parents still don't know. My own parents uh, took the news a lot harder. I drive Luke home, but I'm careful to drop him around the corner in case I run into them. They were extremely angry. They had thought that we were lying. They had thought that we were hiding it. We were just sitting here. Just look, you know, we didn't come down in the last shower of rain, look. You know, 37 weeks. Come on. It was a kind of a surreal, and again, a, 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 a little bit unbelievable that nobody knew about the baby until now and there's only three weeks to go because, you know, Luke already had uh, a bit of history in telling us that he was going to college and he wasn't going to college and telling us he was doing this and he wasn't doing that and telling us he was doing a whole lot of things that he wasn't doing. So um, could this be one more thing? Uh, just was stretching uh, credibility. Uh, Laura must have known. Someone must have known. Um, well... Um, we didn't know. We didn't know. Uh, my dad was angry at first, and then he—he's a logical man. He's—he immediately realized that this was going to happen, and we had to prepare. Those first few days were a blur, and we'd less than two and a half weeks to get ready. Like we were—we were scared, but um, we had so much to do that that kind of helped. My parents helped a lot. And even though me and Luke had been together for two years at this stage, they'd never met. There was never any reason. And I'm sure you can imagine my stomach drops when I hear Luke was coming over with his mum. Well, I, I had never met Luke's mum and she arrived one Sunday afternoon with Luke. They come through the front door and I'm like, I'm so not prepared for this. I knew Luke's parents didn't believe him when he told them that we didn't know I was pregnant. And when his mum sees me for the first time, she says, you just don't look like you're full term. And she's right, I didn't. I mean, we're as shocked as they are, but it's only when they start talking that I realise how much their lives are going to change too. We just talked about the future for Luke and Laura and the changes that would be in our house and the extra work and stress on us here and the extra washing and... Um, the house taken over completely with buggies and high chairs, toys, everything as you'd expect with a small baby coming to the house. And then, after months of not showing, it's like I wake one morning, heavily pregnant. It's hard to believe even now, but overnight, the full-term maternity wear that I'd just been given is too small for me. I... My mind was blown. My friend Rachel can't get her head around it. It was as if, like, you were keeping the lid on something and then when you actually found out and told people, you just, like, exploded. Like, your stomach just, like, absolutely exploded. And now, with less than two weeks to go, I'm terrifying myself with episode after episode of One Born Every you Minute. see it there? Oh the bat. Wow. Go on, keep going. Darn. Well done. Ah! I forced Luke to binge watch it with me, which probably wasn't the best idea because at my final checkup, the doctors say the baby's head isn't engaged and that I'm going to have to be induced when I go 10 days over. And I've heard all about how painful that can be. By the time my due date arrives, no one could say I didn't look the part. Walking around Super Valley in my slippers, shopping for donuts, and that's when I feel a trickle. 
I ignored it because I'm expecting this big tsunami. But all that evening my waters are breaking and I'm there in bed messaging Luke on Facebook. Then, out of nowhere, I get these piercing stomach pains. I look at the clock and it's 12.27am. I message Luke again on Facebook. It's getting late, it was getting towards midnight I think. And I was sitting on the couch playing FIFA on the Xbox and you messaged me on Facebook and you said, I think I'm in labour. Luke messages back and asks, are you timing your contractions? You were getting the contractions and the nerves immediately hit me. But I can't time them because I'm shivering so much and trying to reply to all his messages. And then eventually they started getting closer, so I woke my parents, said I needed a lift. We're kind of expecting it, so um, and so he tapped on the, the door at, I can't remember, two or three o'clock in the morning. Maybe a bit earlier, actually. So we went into the into the coom. At the same time, I've gone to wake my own parents, and I'd love to say they reacted with the same urgency as Luke's dad. It was early morning. It was what time in the morning was it? About one o'clock when the water broke. The water broke. Laura kind of said, started. "I feel." Um, I went into you about three times, and yeah. he kept saying, "Go back to sleep." So we're both driving to hospital coming from different directions, and there's this programme about childbirth. It must be a repeat on the radio. Our reporter, Brian O'Connell, was on a journey with a group of mothers, a very special journey. And when we were on the way, there was this radio show, and my dad wouldn't change it, how the first six weeks of uh, when a child is first born are, are the most difficult, and it's, it's basically like hell because you don't know what you're doing. If the child isn't sleeping, it, there's, like, there's all kinds of complications that can happen. And my dad was, knew it was awkward and he just wouldn't. He's like, this, is, this will be educational for you now. And yeah, it was, it just, it didn't, it definitely didn't help. And I was just remember thinking, this is, this is gonna be hell. We get to the hospital and meet Luke and he's really quiet. When we got to the hospital and I saw you, I was just, uncomfortable because I didn't like seeing you in pain. Um, I'd never seen such pain on your face. Looking around, I have to pinch myself. I arrived on the same ward just three weeks earlier, thinking about a holiday that me and Luke were planning, and now we're not having a holiday, but a baby. I'm already far along, so the doctors put me in a delivery suite and give me gas and air for the pain. But I pressed the button so many times I pass out. She was out of for most of it, and also once she got the epidural, which she went back for seconds, pretended the first one didn't work, so she asked for a second one, and she was, it was like she was on drugs, she was completely out of it. I, I was asking, I was trying to keep her awake, and I asked her, what, what do you want to call him? And Laura said, chicken nuggets. I don't remember any of that. Just a nurse waking me up and saying, Laura, this is the final push. You couldn't really feel the pain that much because of the epidurals, so you were able to, to keep pushing without, without too much pain or without too much trouble. I might have been drugged, but after 18 hours of labour, I know that any second I'm going to meet this little person who's been hiding from me all these months. It's gorgeous. Big fella. <laughs> Well done, That was tough work, And it was a boy. 
He had massive eyes, a head full of dark brown hair, and seemed so long. How did he fit inside me? handed off to Laura and the first thing he did was take a poo into her belly button. I know straight away he's going to be a messy. <laughs> when he was handed over to me and Laura was just about uh, coming back to her senses and there I was trying to dress him and I'd been up for, I don't know, 36 hours at this point and I didn't know what I was doing at all. And I said, you know, th this is the first baby I've ever held and Laura was just like, oh no, we we're screwed. And then our family started arriving. You look so big on camera. Welcome to the world. It was a long little devil. My dad. Arms and legs and heads and ears and all were all on the one place and he was a healthy, happy little lad. My mum. It's like she went in with a shopping basket and picked up a baby and came out. There wasn't a bother on her. My sister Kate. He was just so cute and he was really alert. Like he knew who we were or something or he was like trying to talk to us already. Luke's dad. The first reaction is, is relief, you know, everyone is well. And after that, well, after that, there's not much after that, you know. Everything else is only a detail after that. We name our new baby Finn Rua, but the nurses had already nicknamed him Buster because at eight pounds, he was the biggest and heaviest baby on the ward. Looking at the size of Finn, I was just amazed I couldn't understand how the hell I'd nearly gotten to full term without showing any symptoms of pregnancy. But later, one of the consultant obstetricians in the coom, Dr. Chris Fitzpatrick, said I'd actually been experiencing symptoms of pregnancy all along. The symptoms of pregnancy may be mild uh, and also may be misinterpreted and they're very non-specific. But these symptoms are ones that people wouldn't necessarily associate with having a baby. Heartburn, irregular periods, uh, swelling uh, of the hands and feet. And psychologists and psychiatrists, when they talk about pregnancy denial, sometimes talk about conscious denial and unconscious denial. So unconscious denial is when the woman has absolutely no awareness whatsoever that she's pregnant. And so the doctors gave our new baby boy Finn, a clean bill of health. And all the worries about bloods, about the pregnancy going unmonitored for eight and a half months, had come to nothing. But everyone was no doubt thinking the same thing. Just what was life going to look like now? Finn! Come up here! This is our home today, in Fur House, where I still live with my parents, and Finn of course. And it's now nearly three years since that afternoon. So much has happened since then. You say, my name is... <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> Just a month after Finn arrived, I managed to sit my third year college exams, somehow passed, got into final year, and after lots of tears and tantrums, I graduated with honours. When I think back to that first afternoon in the coom, telling my parents, well... If someone had have said this baby was going to have this kind of effect on my family, I wouldn't have believed it. He's given us a new lease of life in ways. He's up in the mornings early, he's always on the go, he never stops. He's a, 
he's wired, he's go, 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 granddad, run, granddad can't run anymore. Having somebody so young in the house is great again, even though sometimes I come home and the house is blitzed with uh, everything and anything uh, between outside and inside, but we wouldn't swap him for anything. Ah, I like Emma. I think my favourite one when he started talking and he used to call me Gang Dad. Uh, <laughs> gang Dad. Dad yeah. Love Gang Dad. <laughs> and when you know, when you hear that for the first time and, and even if it, it's it's mangled a little bit, it's 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 I think that's a really special little thing, Gang Dad. I love mommy. I'm sorry, mommy. Why 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 are you sorry, Finn? Sorry, mommy. And I'm sure you've already guessed. Me and Luke are still together. Sorry, Mummy. What did you... You didn't do anything wrong. You don't have to be sorry. It's been five years now, and we're still the only parents in our friend group. We don't live together, but we make it work. We're dreaming big and hoping to move out together eventually, whenever that'll be. Right now, Luke works in the bank, and I'm getting ready to go back to college again, this time to study primary school teaching. You can probably imagine... I've lost count of the amount of times I've been asked, how did this happen? How did you not know you were eight and a half months pregnant? How did they explain me not really having a bump? So yeah, as you were saying. Well, they said that this was because Finn grew behind my placenta and this would have also hidden his movements from me. And Mrs. Widow too. Five years ago, I would have never designed my life to work out this way. Finn, how old are you? Number one. You're not one. How old are you now? All I can say really is that I can't remember a world without Finn. Three pounds in an hour. And I certainly don't ever want to live in one without him. <laughs> Three, <laughs> Three pounds. pounds. <laughs> you're two. But you're nearly three, aren't you? I'm, I'm three. No. no, you're nearly three. You'll be three in May. I'm... Uh-oh. Did you headbutt the thing? Oh, dear. You right? Are you okay? Put that down. Put that down. I have to listen to it. <laughs>